Welcome to Imperfect Action. Of course, this is Brock Edwards, and today my guest is Sunil Robert. Uh, Sunil, uh, let's just jump in. Introduce yourself. Who are you? What are you about? Hey, Brock, uh, and hello, everyone um, who tunes into Brock's fabulous uh, uh, podcast. My name is Sunil Robert. Uh, as um, the first name indicates, the name Sunil actually means sunshine. And I grew up in sunny India, and so no surprises there that the name Sun and the the word sun and sunshine are are quite popular and and as luck would have it over the years i've had this almost associated reputation that wherever i go whatever i do i bring a bit of a spot of a sunshine so in the last 14 years i've i've lived in overseas and mostly in dreary london and almost like cold new jersey and so the name means a lot uh, brings in a lot of relevance to to what i do and where where i go but uh, apart from that icebreaker of what my name means, my my trajectory, my journey has been a fascinating uh, journey, even if I say so. Partly because uh, during my teenage years, I had to overcome a very difficult, uh, adverse kind of uh, circumstances to uh, survive, to get education, to support my family, to pursue a dream. And, and and a whole lot of things that you associate with uh, a journey or a battle against poverty. But the second half of my journey, or ever since I got on to a professional career, what I did and the, the arc and the, the career trajectory that took me along has, has been uh, the stuff that you'd like to read, hear about, fascinating, took multiple career um, diversions, each time to reinvent, to to re-examine where my life is going and take those appropriate jumps. But in the last 10 years, the, the most exciting part, and this is where, Brock, you may have to just stop me to, with, with, with my enthusiasm, is how I discovered this whole unknown, hitherto unknown area of pursuing a physically uh, fit, uh, physically energetic uh, side of my personality. From being a couch potato, I, 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 how I battle uh, blood pressure, hypertension, and some of those associated uh, things, um, borderline obesity, and how I kind of turn my life around. And hopefully today, I'm an, an example of how to live life on your terms, fearless, risk-taking, and, and just try to be the best person that you're called to be. And uh, that's been my person. In fact, uh, I, I, I want to summarize my introduction by saying my mission in life is to transform everyone within my sphere of influence. In fact, my LinkedIn uh, mission statement says to, to transform the world through my communication skills. So there it goes. That's my mission. Impact the world through my communication skills. Brock. All right. So, uh, yeah, you didn't, uh, you gave me plenty of topics there. So you, we, we started off, you talked about, you know, overcoming poverty, having multiple career trajectories, revamping your life, getting physically fit, getting physically healthy, um, that this mission to tra transform those around you. I mean, you've left off that, you know, you've written a couple of books, you're a speaker, you, you do a lot of different things. So let, let me jump in. So like the, the multiple career, you know, I'm always fascinated by this because the the myth in society, and I, I guess I'm very cognizant of it right now because um, my, my daughter is about to go off to college and, you know, you kind of have to pick your career trajectory. 
And, but the myth is that like, it's straight line, you know, you're 18 years old, you pick your career. That's what it is till you retire. And I've yet to meet like anyone who's ever really done that. And the, the most interesting, and it seems to me the, the most uh, successful, at least the most fulfilled people uh, seem to have this kind of curvy path that goes all over the place. So what have been these kind of multiple career trajectories that you've had? Thank you. That's a great question. Um, one of the reasons why I feel, um, you know, in the around the industrial era of 60s and uh, 70s and uh, even to the point of 80s, uh, an, an average individual would at best have two or three job changes or, or, or and oftentimes within the same industry. But that myth is, is no longer valid. Today, folks have, largely because of this entire process of globalization and how technology became all pervasive. Now, I'm not a sociologist. Um, I'm just a media junkie. But from whatever anecdotal observations that you see or, or the conversations you have, people have come to realize that it's absolutely impossible for anyone to stay in one linear path or um, they, they might just be within an industry, but within that industry, they'll have to constantly evolve into different roles, either upward in, in terms of upward mobility or even in terms of lateral movement. So that's having said that, my personal uh, career trajectories actually came because of necessities. For example, one of the reasons uh, I studied in a polytechnic and I studied electronics and communication and um, my first job, if I accepted it that way, would have been um, in, uh, in, in, in the railways or in an electronics and communications division of a television manufacturing unit, both of them owned by the government in India. Now, I, my personality, my DNA was never cut out for soldering um, printed circuit boards or, or, or just being uh, in, in a room studying circuit diagrams and, and, and just being part of an assembly line manufacturing TVs. I would have been a terrible TV maker. Just imagine uh, a family sitting and watch, turning on their TV and boom, there's an explosion. That TV would have been probably made by me. <laughs> so thank God I, I, I did not veer into that prescript, prescribed path of, of being a PCB maker or, or, or somebody in the railways waving uh, in the signals and, and causing railway accidents. So thanks be to God for, for, for that, <laughs> averting that disaster. Because by nature, I was the type of a person who was pulled in towards the, um, the humanities. My heart was in humanities. I loved the language. I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed speaking. I enjoyed debating. I would go to the near, near, nearby uh, public speaking club and just spend hours uh, spending in, in conversations about philosophy, of politics, of economics, and, and so on and so forth. So to, to be pulled into something that your heart is not in is, is, the, is a third degree torture. So I had to say no to almost like a lucrative, very well-paying, government-secure job just because my heart wasn't in it. So I rebelled against my parents, and even people thought I was crazy because I was saying no to a life of uh, comfort. But hey, you're an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. You don't really care about what the society thinks. You're in this change the world, I will change the world kind of a mindset. So my first maverick move was to say no to these jobs and join sales. Now, in India, sales 
is not one of the most glamorous professions you would have gone in the um, in the 90s. In fact, they were outside of apartment complexes or residential homes. There, there used to be notices that said, salesmen and dogs not allowed, right? I let, well, you know I'll where you stand right there then. Right. So when I took that almost like a very unpopular career path and in getting into sales uh, was was the first like the the a sign of things to come but I, after i spent a couple of years trying door to door sales being slammed on the door by housewives servant maids uh, uh, security guards and 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 so you literally pick up skills on the street uh, you those street smarts you might want, want to call or or these this sheer ability to handle rejection, um, it just strengthens your internal emotional apparatus, I feel. And so after spending a year or two, I felt, you know, I spent four years in, in, a, in a college studying electronics and communication. I should do some justice to it. But I did not want to go back into electronics. So I joined something that kind of fused both my, my desire to be in the people business and also uh, some degree of uh, connection to what I did. So I joined technical sales which which was the second move I made. And that was fascinating because that job uh, enabled me to travel across India. Now, for a kid who's completely broke, couldn't afford a meal, and couldn't just stay, stay um, uh, have enough on the table for, for a family of six, and that poverty story is something that we'll explore later, this was like a boon. This was like God appearing and saying, hey, what do you want in life? And he said, like, I could travel the world at, uh, at somebody's expense. It was fascinating. So the next five, six years I spent in technical sales were the best years of my life. Young teenager, just uh, getting into early 20s, just tra traversing the length and breadth of the country, speaking languages that you wouldn't uh, have uh, learned in uh, childhood just making connections with these brilliant technical minds across the country running into large petrochemical industries, large oil industries like paper manufacturers, like cement manufacturers. When you go and talk to these high-profile executives, unwittingly, unknowingly, unconsciously, you're building your own intellectual and emotional bandwidth. So that was my second job. And then the third move happened when I had made enough uh, money to kind of uh, survive, come out of the poverty um, spiral. And then I said, hey, I need to now start doing justice to where my long-term future is. And then, then that's when I moved into advertising because I felt my return and my spoken communication skills needed to be just uh, done justice. So th that quest to do justice to my talents, and it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. First, you are at survival mode. Then you start expressing yourself, and then you start thinking, "Hey, where, where, where am I a best fit? Where can I add value to to society, and so on?" Then that's where I, I moved into advertising. And after a few years, I had to come into the technology world because that's where the opportunities came, and that kind of set me up for an immigrant path. So to cut a long story short and recap this answer, from survival to to finding um, opportunities to grow to finding where your skills are, having that intersection, that ikigai concept that the, the Japanese popularized, finding that sweet spot between your skills and opportunities, and then coming into technology PR that set me up as an immigrant. 
the last 14 years an immigrant. I spent a couple of years in UK and the last uh, 12 years in the United States. Uh, now a citizen, proud citizen, proud American. Um, so all these aspects put together make for a fascinating career trajectory. And um, ever since I came to the United States, the the corporate communications and the PR and marketing communications arena opened up. Uh, I was chosen in 2007 to be the best corporate communicator in the world. A Stevie Award, um, as you may know, or Stevie Awards are really highly coveted in the business world. So a modest uh, beginning and and a fairly um, accomplished um, um, career point uh, where I finished that. That led to the writing aspects and and I wrote my stories. And like I said, it's almost like, you know, when I look back, I feel how, if I connect the dots, how it has always been that relentless quest to impact all those around me with my communication skills. I'll so you, so you, you start off, you, you've been to school, you've got this chance to get a secure job. You decide, no, I I want to go door to door and be, you know, um, hey, greeted Brock, with the friendliness of a, a stray dog and, um, you know, kind of, kind of stick with it, work your way up, travel the world a bit. And, you know, within that you, you've developed this, um, I, I guess that the, the topic is around adversity. And, and so I can certainly see how, how, you know, you kind of develop your own adversity skills there. Um, what is it that people need to know about adversity or what is it that people get wrong about adversity? Like they misunderstand. Great question. Uh, like I said, a, a very thoughtful question can just open up uh, avenues of conversation. And thank you for this question. What, when we say adversity, most people think of the big rocks, the big, big blows that, that just knock you down and, and, and uh, just almost, uh, uh, causes tremendous sense of up, upheaval and and turbulence in our life, and that is true. But what most people don't realize is the fact that there are many many crises that can even actually upstage you and and then just send you down a spiral. For example, um, when I was uh, one aspect uh, that I will at some point broach about is my love for teaching and and sharing my story with others, and when I do. Uh, sessions in the corporate world about managing yourself before managing others, some of those private victory versus public victory kind of a concepts that were famously articulated by Stephen Covey. One of the things that I tell them is, you know, a crisis can strike you any moment and a crisis doesn't necessarily have to be uh, this big, life-changing, cataclysmic type of an event. It could be even a simple conflict that can break out between a father and son, uh, spouse to spouse, or a student teacher, uh, a professor, a student, any setting, boss subordinate, boss supervisor subordinate kind of a setting, even a small mini conflict can escalate into a crisis and then that crisis can become an adversity. But if you don't manage those at the, at the manageable, at the containable level, they grow into full-blown uh, adversities. If you analyze why people get divorced, if you analyze why friendships grow cold, if you analyze why workplaces become toxic, they all start with one crucial pivotal conversation or, or a conflict or a mini crisis. Now, if you are trained 
to understand that an adversity is a sum total of many crises, then you are better hand, uh, equipped to, to nip those in the bud and manage those. Right? For example, you don't go, you don't lose control of your health overnight. You, you lose it over a series of many choices of unhealthy lifestyle, bad eating habits, bad choice of food products. A, a series of those come together and then there's some totally suddenly you realize that you've lost control of your health. And you take that analogy and apply it in all the other spheres of your life. You realize it's those little conflicts and those little crises that add up and then push you to the breaking point. So what I learned in, in my own um, journey and this quest to overcome adversity was that the first, in fact, the first thing that I learned was you have to take ownership of your role before you start addressing what are the other circumstances that contributed to that crisis. For example, when as a family of four uh, children and our parents went down this spiral of poverty in, in India, when my dad lost his reasonably well-paying job and I was about 12 then, for the first four, five years, I was a helpless little preteen teenager, and I couldn't do a thing. And it was during that time I was a, a student in polytechnic. And till the time between 12 and 18 and 19, the most horrendous times of my life, poverty, this teenage rebellion, this, this entire physiological changes that were happening in my body and mind, I could not grapple with the crisis that, that was unfolding around me. I was enraged by my dad's uh, bad professional career choices. I was upset with my mom for not standing up uh, for, for our family. She was, she was fully supportive of my dad. She loved my dad uh, too much to even kind of upset the equi equilibrium. And she was just this silent sufferer and the victim. And I was standing there as this enraged teenager and saying, why the hell should we younger children face the brunt of the consequences of those choices that my dad made? And therefore, my, my relationship with my dad and I went on, on this head-on collision. And in an Indian culture, if you, if you have a conflict with your dad, then there's a lot of cultural dynamics associated with how you navigate that. So a long story short, that adversity and that ability to take responsibility in that situation for my own choices really set me up well as I became subsequently uh, almost like adept at uh, interpreting and reading adverse situations. So, so to recap, the first thing that you need to know is adversity is not a one-time event, although in some um, times of, of health and and accidents and, and some of those exceptional situations, it is one. But if you really have this mindset that almost every crisis can be seen as a mini adversity, and if you have the mindset to, to, to stand, own, take, uh, take responsibilities, you'll, you, you are better equipped to handle this. In fact, I'll just sum it up by saying, in, in my recent uh, TED Talk that I gave in April at TEDx Wilmington, and there's my plug for my TED Talk, pardon me, but one of the lines that I really wanted the audience to take home was, between a setback and a comeback, there is a fight back. Let me repeat, between a setback and a comeback, there is a fight back. And that fight back begins the day you say, I will take responsibility. It is up to me.
So you mentioned mindset, and it, it seems like a, a lot of adversity, or at least, you know, you, you hear a lot of stories about people, whether you read their biographies or, or whatever, where, you know, they just kind of persisted on somehow that, I mean, it, everyone's got bad circumstances. So I'm assuming, you know, it's kind of the mindset that, that made the difference. Uh, when we look at people that do well in adversity versus those who don't, what is different about their mindset? Uh, that that's actually a subject in itself that many researchers are grappling to to find answers for and and thank you for that very thoughtful question if if based on my experience and i have not conducted a longitudinal study or some kind of a research thesis around that is one of the things that um, stephen covey uh, again articulates and uh, that to me gives gives a handle on the way even i personally combated adversity is the ability to carry your own weather. He uses the the weather as a metaphor to say, you know, there are many people who, who just step out of the door and start feeling depressed and gloomy because the weather is, is, is just not up to their um, expectations. Now, you sitting in sunny Texas might not have <laughs> the same sense of, of what some of us go through either on the East Coast or, or uh, you, you know, you're in, in a part of the world where, but and, and, and your ability to understand where your locus is, is really an integral part of managing this adversity and plowing through with the same degree of persistence. Now, this deep belief that you, sh- you shall overcome, that you can overcome, that you will overcome, often doesn't stem from, you know, conducive and comfortable circumstances. It just stems from a deep purpose that you can define your own weather, that you can define your own career trajectory, that you can be the master of your destiny in, 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 in the way that poet so talked about eloquently. But just that belief that no matter what life throws at you, the uncontrollables so to become, you are still an invincible. So, so uh, this, this ability to stay invincible when the uncontrollable happens stem from that deep belief, a purpose like I alluded to earlier. Sorry. Yeah, no, um, I was just thinking that, you know, the the moment that we need that mindset the most is probably the moment when we have it the least, you know, when we're feeling most defeated, most out of control, uh, most a, a victim of our circumstances. So uh, from your experience, how do we, like, we're all going to feel down. <laughs> we're all going to feel yeah, bad yeah, for that, yeah, for that yeah. moment. But how how can people, how do we help people shift gears so, you know, when they're feeling most defeated, they're actually able to take on kind of that champion fighter mindset. Great question. As a matter of fact, I was feeling like that two days ago. So it's just recent in my mind. Now, if you work in a large corporation or if you're working in a, if you're in a family situation, if you are in relationships, you know, sometimes the, the, the most disappointment comes from the least expected sources, right? The, 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 it could be family, it could be, it could be close circle of friends, it could be a boss. So this, this ability to, to rebound when you least uh, are expecting is again, this, this whole sense of, you know, for, for example, just going back to my own incident, when I looked at my discouraging circumstance, the, the way I rebounded was to say, Hey, could I have done anything any better? And if the answer was no, 
I said, you know, the other person might be the the person. And that that brutal honesty with which you ask that question and the brutal honesty with which you even not fall into the trap of self-deception really uh, is the first step to 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 recharging your reservoir of um, um, of, of uh, this warrior mindset. It's just like you run out of um, steam, run out of battery in 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 battle. It's it's always again how what what you what is your core? How do you reconnect with your core purpose? And then just say you know I'll fight this another day. And sometimes sooner or later you'll get the answer. And in this case of the recent discouraging episode. Within two days, I kind of, after moping and feeling, ah, oh, this, 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 I don't have to take this, you know, excreta anymore. Uh, you know, when you start feeling like that victim, then sooner or later the 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 positive thing happens, and you say, well, after all, it was this. See, for example, when somebody lets you down, and the, uh, it's again related to another principle that I talk about very passionately is is this uh, the ability to empathize with others. So there was this person who was giving me a hard time at work and wouldn't return calls, wouldn't be responsive on emails and so on. And and all I just assumed out of this was, hey, this person doesn't want to collaborate with me. He doesn't like me. He doesn't want to. So I went through those whole cycles of uh, discouragement and disappointment. But when that person finally surfaced and said, look, I, I slept off early and then uh, my, my cell phone ran out and I couldn't call you back for about 24 hours. Then I said, oh boy, all the while I was assuming that this person doesn't like me, right? It might sound very trivial example, but often we are prisoners of our own assumptions and our own rationalizing and our own theories. Whereas in reality, the other person's life might be completely spinning out of control in a different way. So when you talk and when when that person finally kind of communicates, that gap was closed. And then I said, okay, that makes me feel slightly better. Let's get on with it. So if you apply that metaphor to almost every crisis that did I fight enough? Did I try hard enough? Did I do my best and left nothing on the table and left nothing on the battlefield? Then I think we have reasons to just just rebound and, and fight another day. But but you're right. This is I've, I, I wish it, um, it there were simple, easy fixes to to recharge when you're uh, down and and it's OK to be down completely dry as well and accept that human side of life the a couple of weeks ago i was uh, going through a deep valley experience myself when 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 we lost a dear friend what do you what words of comfort do you offer to a family who lost a dear one right so so between these little crises and those life defining crises in this entire spectrum different crises have a way of of completely draining you and your ability to say Oh boy, I just went through this almost like this huge experience. I need time to recoup. You recoup and you recharge, go back to your core, find your center, and then just keep fighting another day. So that whole notion of aligning yourself to your core purpose, your core mission is very important, Brock. So I love the phrase you had that we're we're often prisoners of our own assumptions, you know, prisoners of our own assumptions. That um that's fabulous. because uh, we've all been there, you know, just like you say, where we go down this one path and find out that the reality was totally different. And absolutely. Had we known the reality, we would have approached it different. Correct. Correct. So, you know, resiliency, uh, overcoming, coming back, you know, that's hard enough when you've got 
you know, 40, 50 years of maturity under your belt and life experience. Um, what about for, I mean, you mentioned your, just your journey as a teenager when, you know, everything in your life is super focused and super intense. And um, how, what advice would you give to someone, you know, college age, high school age on how they can, you know, help, help them deal with the adversity in their life? Great question. I am a dad of a teenager who's 18 years old. And uh, first of all, giving advice uh, to a teenager almost is a is an oxymoron, a, a contradiction in terms, because these kids, first of all, you can't have a conversation long enough to, to, to keep them away from their phones or or, or even at best, you have these conversations. They are monosyllabic conversations, or, or, or short, uh, uh, you know, terse conversations. But, but the spirit of your question is, when some of these young people are going through that phase, what is it that you might uh, offer in, in short and, and stuff? So, so the first thing that I would actually say is, success is overrated. Enjoy the journey. That, that's the first thing. For example. In my own journey, when I was a teenager, I, I always knew and I always dreamt that someday, God willing, I'd be successful professionally. There was not even an iota of doubt. Pardon me for being immodest, uh, Brock, but I knew that even though I was lying in the pits with our family, someday we will turn it around and we and and that the deep, unshakable belief that we will overcome was was never missing for a moment. So as a teenager, when I relook, I, I, I always was this, there was that one side of me that was totally restless of getting to the top, working hard, pursue skills, acquire, go after dreams. And, and, and I felt a, a, a precious side of, a precious part of me was so super focused on some of these accomplishments that I probably would, would have enjoyed more if I wasn't so obsessed with goals. So while goals are important, and you might find this almost like a contradiction in terms, teenagers need to have goals, otherwise they fritter away their precious time. But just being this obsessed alpha type of an approach to, to goal setting and accomplishing these goals can actually rob them of some of their precious uh, years as well. So to, to me, while goal setting is important, and I would certainly encourage these young kids to have goals, um, around multiple areas. For example, they might have great goals, grades as, an, as a goal, but I would ask them, what's your goal to giving back to those who are in, in, um, in, in the margins, on the fringes, who are disenfranchised, who need your support? So I would actually encourage them to start thinking of them of success beyond one dimension, which is physical fitness, uh, emotional um, enrichment in the form of relationships, pursuit of goals, and so on, financial success. Do you want to um, graduate with a debt or do you want to graduate without debt? That's a goal. Um, how, how do you build multiple skills and capacities and bandwidth so that when you launch off into the professional career, then you are all set up to, to live a fulfilling life? So, the, so the, to answer your question, I would actually encourage them to think of success beyond financial dimension, beyond professional success. It's it's about fulfillment. So to me, the 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 I would ask them to shift from success to stewardship, from success to fulfillment. 
from success to content, being content. So uh, those are some of the things that I would change because I'm a bit old school in that I would I would I, I was actually encouraging my son to take a, 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 a gap year and go travel the world. Unfortunately, he was uh, he was hyper focused on uh, getting, uh, and, and that's where that peer pressure plays uh, plays out. Uh, uh, Brock, he said, "Oh, but if I take a gap year and come back, many of my classmates would be a year ahead of me." So his his re- frame of reference is not how I am doing; it's it's how I am doing relative to my classmates. So that this this whole notion and recently i read an article about um how a uh, 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 30 years ago a, a, a group graduated from harvard business school and how they after at their 30th reunion were benchmarking against each other and they found out that a certain part of a small sliver of that that graduating group of hbs uh, achieved super success super wealth um, and and really were at the top percentile of their class. But a large chunk of those people found meaningful careers, raised families, lived the American dream, were civic citizens playing their their role in the communities, churches, wherever they are. And and that large group to me represents what is true success. It's it's often when you try to go into that high percent of of super success, then then you're also burning a fair amount of your turbo energy out of your life and then you you have a price to pay either 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 you compromise on your other relationships or you compromise on your health and and then by the time you get to the top you discover that hey the clock can't be turned back and then you've already paid the price so if i were to summarize summarize that longish answer i would say think beyond success it's about stewardship it's about being fulfilled it's about contentment well, as we wrap up here today, um, where can people find you? People that, that are intrigued, that want to check out your books, that just want to find out more about you, where's the best place to hunt you down on the internet? Thank you for this opportunity to share a little bit of my work, um, Brock. Um, I'd, I'd like them to check out my t- TED Talk. Um, I, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, uh, I have a couple of videos that that uh, talk uh, a little about my passion, my my approach towards work and some of my pet theories and my um, and anecdotal evidences of the, the things that I believe that that I hold dear. They, I'm I'm uh, all over on YouTube and uh, I have a website called SunilRobert.com where there are a couple of my books are, are mentioned and stuff. So I lo- now live in the Bay Area. Uh, my family's in New, New Jersey. Um, we are we are kind of pretty much on the move all the time. So Anyone wants to reach out, happy to reach out, happy to connect on LinkedIn, happy to come and speak at groups or that might be of interest. I have a day job, so I, my my passion is to speak, share, tell my story, inspire anyone who 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 are battling um, depressing moments and, and battles in in life. So I, I have a passion to give back. And um, in 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 in, con- in conclusion, let me share one of my high points of. Uh, of my giving back side of uh, life was the voluntary work I did at at a large high maximum security prison in New Jersey, where every Friday night I would go back and and spend time with 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 these uh, inmates 
and giving them um, some of my life's experiences and helping them build leadership skills so that when some of them go back into normal civil life, they have some skills that they can use to get back and get some basic jobs and get back into the uh, um, professional side, get into small businesses and try and try and come come stay on the narrow path path when when they are released from prison. So I'm always out there trying to do my bit to to make life a better place, um, this world a better place. So I thank you, Brock, for this opportunity to share my story with with your audience and in the hope that um, we be both connected and and hopefully somebody will resonate with some of these ideas that uh, we we converged today. And uh, thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually have one final question for you. And it's a question I ask all my guests. And, you know, you in particular focus so much on helping others, inspiring others, helping them transform. But what can the listeners do for you? What would your ask be of them? Great. Thank you. And, and thank you for this opportunity to ask. We all look for this big, big um, 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 act of uh, uh, momentous uh, magnitude to impact the world. We can change the world in small acts of kindness. So everyone around, we are, we are fighting struggles. So I have a twofold ask with the audience. One is look around. Everyone's combating some degree of adversity. If someone's fighting a silent battle. Someone's giving more manifestations of a, of a battle. We, we really don't know, but just be a little more sensitive to the struggles that we are all going. So raise up the ante, raise your uh, radar, and, and just be a little more sensitive to those around us. And oftentimes it's in within our inner circle of families, friends, and, and close ones. So be a little more adversity sensitive and, and reach out to them. That's, that's almost like a generic call to action, um, uh, ch- you know, church preachy type of an action. But the second one I, re- I really want to uh, ask you is, if you know of anyone who could benefit from my story and um, my uh, journey and uh, my input and, and a practical and uh, almost like a mentorial counseling type of a situation, please feel free to reach out and connect with me. I'm all over. My contacts are all over the media. Happy to help uh, where possible. Feel free to reach out to me and set up the conversation. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Just a-